Welcome to the GMS Podcast, brought to you by GMS Distribution. GMS specializes in temporary portable power distribution equipment for the restoration contractor. I am your host and owner of GMS, Jared Steer, and today I will be talking to my friends. Hey, there we go. You know, usually I start this out and I say, uh, we are live, but we really aren't live. We're recording. So we are, we are are recording. (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) I have with me today, Brian Brainerd at the Restoration Academy. My friend, it is so good to be talking to you. It's been too long. I haven't seen you in a while, especially with this COVID thing. Um, But you know, I, we would get together quite frequently and now it's been, it's been a minute. It has. It had. And we've missed you. We've missed you. But Aww. you are a busy guy, so you had a lot going on, and I'm very proud of you. So, yeah, I, I appreciate all the things you've done to help our school, and likewise what we've tried to help you out. But, oh, absolutely. Uh, pleasure to be on here talking to you right now. Yeah, well, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Give some people who maybe who don't know Brian Brainerd, what, what, who are you? What are you doing? Well, sure, absolutely. Well, my name is Brian Brainerd, and I'm the owner of Restoration Academy. Um, we are a training school, um, uh, primarily with IICRC-approved courses. And we're located in Noblesville, Indiana, and we've been in that location now since 2012. 2012. 2012. I've actually been an IICRC-approved instructor and instruct um, other courses as well. Since 2005, and I've been in the industry since 1995, restoration industry, I guess is what I should say. Yeah, well, and that was one of the things that I wanted to, I mean, that's kind of the fun thing about this this podcast, and a fun thing for me is, even though, you know, you, you know, somebody like you, I've known you for years, we've had so many conversations, but, you know, they, I don't, I have no idea how you got started when you got started. So this is, you said 95 is when, when you got into the restoration industry? Yes, and actually... Uh, I'm a veteran of the U.S. Air Force, so when I got out of the Air Force uh, in 1992, came okay. back here to, to the Indianapolis area, went to school, and basically met my future wife, and her uncle was in the restoration business, and that's how I kind of got started. Gotcha. I kind of got started from the ground and worked my way all the way up. Now, I'm going to go back to the Air Force. So how long were you in the Air Force? I was in the Air Force for five years. Okay. Where, where were you mainly stationed, or what were kind of your duties or what, what happened in those five years? Okay. Um, well, uh, I was trained to be a combat arms instructor. So that basically means I just trained military personnel in the air force on various weapons that they had, tactical skills and things of like that. Back in that era, uh, there was very few of us that were doing that position. And I thought it was, it was a pretty neat job to have. Okay. And also the equivalent of what we're, uh, we're doing today with online education. I was doing that while I was in. So I was actually serving the country doing that. And get an education all at the same time. Very cool. And, yeah, and I had the opportunity to see a lot of the a lot of the world. So I basically started out in in San Antonio, Texas, um, Pensacola, Florida, and a lot of my time was in Europe. I was stationed in a little town called Zweibrück in Germany, but went all over the place doing the weapons training. So you're kind of stationed in one facility, but yet you're going all over wherever you're needed, so to speak, at that point in time to train various personnel. And I ended up, before I got out, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which I absolutely loved. Okay. And then, so are you from the Indianapolis area? Is that why you came back to Indy? 
Yes. Yeah, okay. I came back here for family. Originally from northern Indiana, but, you know, Indianapolis was home and, and came right back to where it all kind of started. But, uh, you know, got married, kind of stayed here, got in this restoration business, and, and here we are, fast forward to today. That's awesome. So between 95 and, you said 2012, are you are you in the field? What are, what are you doing? Well, I started out with Surpro. So I was a local Surpro franchise here. And really kind of got to learn everything about that aspect of cleaning restoration from that end. And up until 2000, and, uh, let's see. No, I should say up until 98, I was with that facility. Um, I actually went to Paul Davis Restoration and worked with them to the corporate office. So I kind of okay. got worked in with them. And that's how I got into the IFRC, um, but also was tasked with really kind of being one of the people responsible for getting Paul Davis back then into the mitigation era. Right back then, they were just general contractors subbing out the work, um, but we actually got them on board as we see it today. Some of us, I should say, I can't take the full credit um, yeah. for moving into the mitigation era. Yeah, so kind of take a little pride in that. Though that's very cool, you should. So it seems like even from your Air Force days, you've always like instructing is in you. That's is that a passion of yours? That's what you like to be doing. It is. I love to instruct. Um, and, and you'll notice that most people say that they're in my profession. I love to teach people, instruct people that want to learn. So you have to have a passion for it. Uh, we do, and it's just an ever, it, it's an endless job. You're always trying to find new ways to train people, become innovative, so that uh, they carry away what the message is and apply it. And I always tell my students, uh, if they succeed in their field, then so did we. That's the only way we'll ever succeed. No, that's perfect. And I love that you said that, you know, you're always trying to innovate even as an instructor, because I know that, well, I shouldn't say I know, I don't know anybody, but, but it, it can be perceived sometimes that, you know, it's the same slideshow, it's the same PowerPoint from five years ago, and it's just real repetitive. But I know from coming to your facility and coming through your courses, and I guess we can, we should talk a little bit about that too, so the listeners know. So I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana, I'm just two hours north of you in Indianapolis. And once I found out about the Restoration Academy, we donated some power boxes or provided some power boxes for your flood house so that you could start using those and training guys on those and, and then gets me exposure uh, as we were just starting out also. And and then every once in a while when it worked out, usually on the combo classes, I'd take, a, you know, I'd take the drive down, come down for lunch get a little 15, 20 minute spot to talk about power distribution more in general, not so much our products, but just electricity and power distribution, talk to the guys over lunch. But then I would, you know, me and you would have some conversations and, and get to hang out and see what's going on in the flood house and the things that you're doing. So going back to that, that innovation, I know firsthand how much you are involved in always making that class better for the next group. Sure. Well, we strive to make it better. I just am not satisfied with the status quo. Um, there's other instructors out there, too, that have the same common core beliefs. Uh, I mean, this is an interesting career field. I mean, I still love being in this today, even after being for a while. And I'm still, myself, learning new techniques. And I love to uh, participate in what other instructors are doing or other, um, I should say, sessions, conferences, et cetera, all of that that goes on. It's just amazing to see when I got into this business, you know, until where it is now and where it's going to go. It's, it's just amazing. Um, and it's just boomed so much over the last, I'd say 10 years. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, yeah. and the education is such an important part of, you know, training in this restoration industry, training in the, in the fires, training in the waters, you have to have that education and that knowledge that you're doing the job correct. So it doesn't cause problems later. 
Absolutely, yeah, you sure do. I fully fully agree. Now, with you being in the education side, and this is—I've never asked anyone this—but obviously, there's there's a lot of I'm just calling flood houses or training facilities. There's a lot of instructors out there. How are you guys? Because you kind of you kind of mentioned that maybe you talk with other instructors or see what they're doing and and always trying to make it better. Are your are the group of instructors like pretty tight? Do you guys communicate? Is there a time of year, like an annual instructor conference? Do you guys pass notes back and forth or, or are, or are you more competition and, <laughs> or, or is it a little of both? I would say it's a little of everything you just said. Uh, there is a close net group. I would say that being involved with the IICRC, and for those that may not know what that is, that is the Institute of Inspection for Cleaning Restoration Certifications. Um, That organization has been around since 1972, and I teach a variety of courses in that. With with basically what I teach um, in those aspects, we have conference groups that get together frequently. Um, I'm involved in the water side of it right now for the IICRC with what's called the Applied Structural Drying Course. So we have been tasked with rewriting the course and the exam, which should be coming out later on this year um, for those that are interested. But we meet at least uh, every other week. And then I'm also involved with other tasks too. Oh, yeah, we're doing go-to meetings, the Zoom calls as we see it today and things like that. But we meet once a year at what's called the GRC, the Global Resource Center in Las Vegas, Nevada. So all instructors are required to attend that conference. Uh, And it usually happens around the end of September, 1st of October every year. So we really all get together, kind of shut things down and kind of, you know, really educate ourselves. And like you said, so we get innovative. And then those of us that have like these houses that we would flood, these these structures, you know, they have to meet criteria. We all have to be the same, but we will share ideas and what can be done better. And then some stuff in some companies would be proprietary, like in in the franchise organizations. And we understand that. But when we're talking about how to drive a building, however, you know, the laws uh, that apply to that are all the same. And I do love how the fact that we can change that as we go on because of all the new innovative techniques that we learn. But it's just, you know, it's, it's fascinating that we've learned so much over the years of how to dry out various buildings, uh, understand the materials, and, and more importantly, really the equipment and the tools that we have today. Hey, especially with what you've got, for example. So we love having your opportunity to come down with your, your uh, distribution boxes. I mean, once people see what you can do, um, it's endless after that. Oh, that's cool. Well, I appreciate that. But I wanted—I wanted to ask you too, like following up on that. So you—you've had your facility since 2012. So you're—you're you're eight years. You're coming up on ten. What? But but then obviously you've been involved even prior to that. But what if what have you seen as far as maybe technique or equipment? How have things changed in the last ten to fifteen years? Where, where do you see like a big impact in the, in the drying community or the drying world where it's like, hey, we used to do it like this. Now we've kind of switched focus. We've switched our, our mindset. Now we're looking at it from this point of view or this direction or this science. Is there anything that like stands out over the last 10 years of, of something that's made a big shift in this industry? I would say the biggest thing that's made a shift in the last 10 years is the science of how we're drying. A lot of people would, would relate to that as well. But we, we would focus um, really what we would call psychometrics. And, we, you know, in the beginning, everybody would talk about airflow, evaporation. Then it would be something. Then it would be that. But it is a combination of those techniques. But we've learned so much about how to evaporate 
remaining water and materials. And there are various techniques plus equipment available to really utilize it in the correct fashion. I would say in the last 10 years, that's the biggest improvement that we have done is educating ourselves on what it would take to create that drying environment and maintain it in a proper fashion. And I think, like you said, so that people do not create um, undue and unnecessary damage. Um, and also, I would say, too, that the equipment has gotten favorable for the end user nowadays, and it, it's, it gets better and better and better. So there's a lot more to it. Um, with the advance of, of technology now, especially with the ability to do Bluetooth, a lot of this remote monitoring, wireless setups and things yeah. of that nature also helps out tremendously on some of these projects that these restores are, are working on as we speak. Well, if I, if I understand the Bluetooth right, and I think I, I – th- think it was a conversation uh, not on a podcast just a conversation in passing with uh, with one of the phoenix reps um you know basically that you're able to take down so much information so quickly and going back to what you were saying about you know uh, maintaining an environment uh for drying uh sure that these bluetooth now with the bluetooth you can walk in and the information is immediate instead of taking readings for 15 minutes and trying to you know make adjustments now things are so at your fingertips. Oh, yeah. You know, it's great. Um, like I said, I love the ability to actually have that information just simultaneously as soon as you enter the facility. And it's even getting better now where, you know, you've got those manufacturers out there producing um, equipment uh, for the dehumidifiers, for example, where you can access that information basically from your shop or anywhere. Um, you know, that remote monitoring technology has been around for some time. Um, but more of a sensor process that was going on that you could access. But now with the equipment, especially your DEs, where you can see what's going on with inlet outlets, what's happening inside of the drain chamber at that given time, I, I think that that is a beneficial, well, what am I trying to say? It is beneficial to the end user with the restore to get that information. Um, and if you'll allow me, I would say on the other hand, though, too, in our era, we still need to monitor those drying chambers, though, because there are changes that need to be made you know, especially on a daily basis. I have, I have heard that argument on the, on the con side to the Bluetooth where one, you know, kind of, kind of a con to the Bluetooth is so many people now just rely on their device to tell them what's going on instead of knowing how to figure out what's going on and not, you know, and using, and using the device as a, as an accessory, but they're more depending on it. And that's, that's not a direction we want the industry to go. No, it's great to have this, and I would say it's just like anything else. All of the equipment and things of that nature are what I would call tools in a toolbox. Um, just depends on the actual project and what it's needed for. You know, still you don't want it to take away from the actual store doing his or her proper job, um, but it does aid with um, accessing information quickly um, so you can actually determine where you need to go with that particular drying project. Yeah. No, I I love it. I love where the I love where the industry is going. I love the technology behind it, and I think the the thing that I'm seeing too, you know, those sensors, those remote monitoring, and those sensors. There's there's things that have been around for a while, um, but now it's like now they're integrating it with software, integrating it with with more data points, um, and and giving you more of a picture instead of here's a piece, here's a piece, here's a piece, and you got to kind of figure it out. They're kind of, I mean, they're kind of getting covering all the bases and just, and just handing it to you now, if that, if, if oh, I'm yeah. explaining it right. I believe you are. And there's just so many um, applications off there, out there now that are very beneficial. And there's some that are, that are coming up that I think are outstanding, but to give you all that information. And then like you just said, to explain it, 
Uh, let's just say if you've got, you know, a restoration company that's performing a service and they're either having to relay this information to an insurance company or nowadays we deal extremely a lot with the third-party administrators, we can actually yeah. paint a picture of the entire job and without having to, you know, really describe what's going on. If everybody understands what the information is that's being disseminated. And so I love that part of it that's right there. Well, and then a benefit too, it's a th- it's third-party information. It isn't, it isn't information that you wrote down. It isn't isn't your notes on the job it's it's third party uh or am i trying it's 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 third party information sure so that that helps that helps when you're telling your story or when you're painting your story also yeah and and i kind of use the the phrase universal language that means everybody would understand what's on that that same page (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah with without any kind of flaws yeah we just love that especially you know, I can remember years ago where we would document the jobs in writing for yeah. ourselves. And I can recall where, and this is kind of cool because some people would know this, except they've been in the business for a while. Insurance companies years ago did not want any of this information because they believed, okay, that would be kind of biased also. And they didn't want any liability on the job. They just wanted us to drive the buildings. You fast forward to today, and now they want all this information to show that they actually there was water, how much water was there, what materials actually got affected, you know, the, the fact that we're drying a building, and probably in their words, more importantly, hey, what are you guys done? You know, so that it helps is, out a lot. That is cool. Now, this is now this is just a question I just thought of off the, off the top of my head. When you guys, when you're doing your, um, you know, and I'm talking like an ASD class where we're we're flooding the house and we're going in and drying it. Um, the cameras are, seem to be the new kind of the new hot thing, and that's kind of what we're talking about uh, as far as like third party documentation and getting more information to the insurance company on the job. Is there anything coming up in the in the IICRC or even in your classes, just like specifically or or anything that you're doing to address pictures to address how how we document? the pictures on a job? Oh yeah. We actually, when we're in our facility, uh, we would run the actual entire class like a word job. So we do documentation. We do some software applications. I don't get too in depth with it because I don't want to take away from the learning aspect, but okay. we will actually photograph the job. And then we have a handful of infrared cameras that we use to document as well. So we'll do the infrared shot, so to speak, also overlay it with JPEG, what it looks like, normal format, and then this is what you're looking at with the various temperatures of the surfaces of the material. And then we'll go even further. We just follow it up with the various moisture meters uh, that the students would use for that project. So they actually are learning how to document a job um, while we're in there. So we spend a tremendous amount of time, really, with the inspection, the metering, and then finally the documentation. And we actually, in our schools, we have a like a friendly competition, if you will, we actually put all the students into groups and we'll have various clients come in with multiple employees, but we break them all up. Uh, That way everybody is not biased on what their presentation is, but we have to make them present what's going on to the rest of the class on on how well they're achieving their specific areas. Um, And it makes it very engaging and also educational and and also entertaining. So it is fun. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Some of these folks, they will get, they'll get, they'll, Quite frankly, they'll get engaged and they get pretty entertained in how they actually vocalize what they've learned. And um, so that makes it fun. Very cool. Yeah, I think whenever yeah. you can learn from somebody else too, it's just another uh, another medium for someone to that's in the class to like, oh, okay, they did it like that. I can understand that. Or or even when you're because you kind of like, you give them the freedom to do it kind of their way and then critique at the end. Correct. 
Sure. Yeah, and I, I kind of like to. I like a laissez-faire approach with them. I like to see where they've at when where, where they're at when they come in. I don't want to come in and just all you know just kind of be like a hard case and say this is the way it is. I like to express certain views, but I like to see where they're at and then fine tune their skills. And I usually use. Um, Oh, another expression in the class towards the end of the week, I'll tell people, you know, basically if you learn something, you love it. I said, well, every once in a while, you've got to make mistakes and see your mistakes in order to get better. And oh, those mistakes are not, they're not wrong and derogatory. It's just, hey, think about another opportunity instead of what you've been doing. And, and that's really what we're trying to do. All of us, I would say, is focus the attention, you know, on what the core principles mean and then expand on it from there. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I love it. I always enjoy coming down. Like I said, you're, you've, you're a great host whenever I show up. Um, I think half the time I don't even call. I just show up and you're like, oh, hey, didn't know you were going to be here today, but come on up. And and uh, you're always so inviting. And I've, I've appreciated, you know, getting to know you over the years and, and our friendship. So. Oh, me too. You're always welcome to come in. And I, like, I encourage that. We love a lot of people coming in. Uh, I would say, and I'm not trying to make a sales point. I don't know how other schools operate, but we love to have guests come in all the time and be a part yeah. of the curriculum and, and not really such as a sponsor coming in and, yeah, hey, man, here's lunch on me or something like that. Now I'm going to give you my show. Now, I, like when you come in, you come in and you talk about electricity, you talk about how your product works, how it works on the job and stuff that they wouldn't know. And, and that's education, but that sells yourself as well. And we love that. We love to have that interaction. Oh, it's great. Well, I wanna get, I'm going to switch topics. Okay. You, you just had a birthday. I did. I had a birthday on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so we're recording this. Uh, this is going to be, we're recording Sunday. So a couple of days after your birthday, was there a, a parade that drove by the house and, and everybody waved and decorated their cars for you? No, no, we're, <laughs> we actually moved out of a house we lived in for over 20 years last summer. So we're, we're kind of on the outskirts now. I wouldn't say country, but we're close to it. So we've got a little spread. So kind of hard now, but we love it. But yeah, I've got two big dogs. So I would say they're the ones that paraded me last Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, but no, with, uh, with what's going on currently with our situation with, with the COVID-19 virus, we've, we've been at home monitoring the situation, kind of shutting down the month of April. We're having in-person courses, but yeah. you know, you know, through go-to meeting, Zoom, virtual, things like that, we've had a lot of that going on with family and friends. So that's kind of nice. It is, I guess, what they say, and I, I hate this now, but the new normal, you know, but it is what it is. Yeah, we've been, I, I haven't used Zoom, I mean, a, a handful of times until this last month, and now it's pretty much every day there's a, there's a new Zoom with, with family or friends or coworkers or somebody you know there's always something something going on there doing some video conferencing just just because we are we are we're all at a, on a stay-at-home order and and waiting for this virus to play out yeah that's true so what new, what are the new things and i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of lead this this question um i know the iicrc just approved online training because of the because of the virus and the stay-at-home orders how has that either in, in your, your facility, your restoration academy, or even others that are involved with the IICRC, how, how have you seen, like, how is, how has that played out? And I want to talk more like kind of like a behind the scenes, you know, how is this decision made? How, what are the, the kind of maybe pros and cons to it? Uh, do we see it lasting for a long, a long period of time? Or is this just something that while the virus is here, we're doing it like, if you, if you don't mind, I'd love to ask you 
a couple or a lot of questions kind of about that because I'm really, I, I always love innovation. I always love when things change and, and become new. And this is a very, very new thing for a lot of people. Uh, and just to kind of get a behind the scenes look at how it's working. Are you up for it? Sure. <laughs> I can fill you in with what I would know right now. Yes, sir. I can do that. Yeah. Well, as you know, um, <clears throat> At our school, for example, in the state of Indiana, we were pretty much required to shut down. And we have a stay-at-home order in Indiana, actually effective until May 1. And then there will be some restrictions that are going on. But we are one of those businesses that can open back up. And primary with the various courses that we offer, there is a limit to the amount of attendees for, you know, just a, just a course where people would come in. Typically, you know, you have a, a classroom set up and you've got people coming in. And for example, our combo class, which is five days, excuse me, the water and ASD combo has always been our most favorite class because people get two certifications in a week. Um, but it is an intense class. But moving forward, we'll still offer it. But now we're going to have limited attendees. So we won't okay. have any more than 10 people in there at one given time. We can accommodate that with our classroom to space people apart. Now is really cool as far as what I'm concerned is because we've always been an advocate of safety, preach it all the time in every single class. But we will be actually requiring everybody in there to wear the proper PPE now when you're doing the hands-on demonstrations in the actual training house. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll, well, you know, you'll have the mask. We'll have the gear. And we do it all the time anyways. Yeah. Um, but we're going to go ahead and fully set up everybody nowadays like that. You know, with, without having to use a full, you know, full or half days, you know, PAP, RAPR, you know, we're not going that route. But we can actually get to the setup in there properly to demonstrate what we've been talking about. I mean, typically in, in the situation, we have a Category 1. You're sitting there with gloves glasses and things of that nature, booties and things of that. But, you know, we're going to go ahead and don the right gear and actually start using face masks and require everybody to do that in our school. Um, the use of disinfectants has never been more prevalent than what it is right now. So we're actually going to talk a lot about that. Um, but that is moving forward. We're also integrating, like you mentioned, now online. So we're going to go virtual. The ISDRC currently right now the board of directors back in January approved for us to start the process of what they would call e-learning. Um, okay. And then a lot of people that teach this stuff for years where they would go from one place to the next, just doing the typical classroom environment training and stuff like that, you know, are really behind the scenes working on that now to get that ramped up. Um, and some schools are actually moving forward. They're actually doing the live streaming courses right now. Uh, but with that being said, live stream that we talk about right now is we can't have any more than 20 attendees at a time. You're going to have to use a platform so that you can see the students watching you as well as they see you. Um, but then that it's just basically that. So live stream is just like basically if you and I were talking right now on a Zoom or a GoTo meeting. Uh, the only difference is on that is that those segments now are broken up to a, you know, a couple hours a day, maybe a couple of times a day where you can offer a couple of courses. And it could be spread out over a week to two weeks. Um, but when that session has ended, say somebody's taken a, uh, a WRT class, for example, okay. the instructor could do a two-hour session a day or three or however they want to do it. But once the student has fulfilled the total hours now from that streaming process, then they will have 90 days of completion of that to take that particular certification. And that would be proctored online. Okay. So it's kind yeah, of the so, way that you're monitoring that. You're One, we're limiting how many students – because this is – because. Uh, yeah, that was kind of like where my mind was as, as far as like, like, so now we're just online and 
like you know, but you're putting you're putting uh, limits on how many people can join at one time. But then I think it's interesting too that the instructor has to be able to see them at their computer, so they have to have their that's webcam right. on also. So okay, and that's and I and I and, and a lot of people don't understand that. There's a difference. There's two things. What I've discussed right now is just live streaming. Um, what we're also doing now behind the scenes with all these various groups that teach all these different courses, they are changing the curriculum now to a online format, meaning you could have modules set up. So it would be just like, you know, if you're doing an online university or doing different various educational pieces, we are now going to become the same as that. So instead of just a virtual broadcast, if you will, there could be a series of podcasts. There could but also be videos, things like that. I'm working on that right now, too. It is an investment. Um, Jeremy Reitz, great instructor, got a great, great place down in Atlanta, Georgia. He yeah. has had what's called Reitz TV for a long time now. Um, he started it out, and unfortunately now Jeremy's going to have a lot of competitors because everybody else is going to get into the game. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, this kind of this but, whole thing kind of pushed people in in that direction. Yeah, and it really forced us to get in there. This is something that our organization, you know, has talked about for quite some time, but now it's it's going to have to happen. I think it's a good thing because. Twofold, you know, being a former business owner, having a restoration company myself, you know, training is always essential, but there's a huge investment. It's an investment in the actual people. It's expensive to travel, everything that goes into it. So some of these courses that we have are now going to be available to do online. Not everyone is going to be like that, though. I mean, as it stands right now, all of our hands-on courses that require people to have the use of hands-ons, you know, we're doing performance-based and things of that nature, um, such as the ASD class that I would teach, that is still going to be an in-person class. That was yeah. That was one of my next questions. Was are is it just broad? All classes could now be virtual, or is it still there? Are still some you have to attend in person? There are going to be those that are still in person. So you do have some that are typically like a lecture-based classroom, academic style that you know could be offered now online, and they will be. They actually are right now. Some schools have actually opened up to do some of those, uh, but also the ones again, say like uh, AMRT. ASD, some of the other ones that really are a lot more, uh, you spend a lot more time doing than you do sitting. Yeah. Those are the ones that are still going to be in person. We're just going to have to follow the guidelines of, of, you know, the distancing and proper hygiene, PPE and all that, but it'll still be done. Now, how do you think this is going to change your model uh, moving forward with it? Well, I guess first question, do you see that this decision to move things online, is it a permanent decision or is it temporary based on where we're at with the, with the virus? Uh, right now it's temporary with the live streaming, but based on how we're performing and how we're moving forward with, with the curriculums to be online, I think this is, this is what you're going to see. I think you're going to see okay. more of this becoming available online down the road. It has to be, you know, we have to keep up with other industries and trends, but I do like this because I think, um, and I really have opened up to it now after you learn it, because there's a lot to do and how to perform virtual training. I mean, somebody says virtual, but if you ask myself or 10 other instructors, you're going to get 10 different answers about what virtual training is going to include. Um, so I'm really doing a lot of research as, as we speak behind the scenes to, to incorporate that. It's a, it's a whole new avenue for me. I'm not one that wants to be in front of a camera. You know, to be okay. seen, I like being in the classroom, so I'm going to have to get used to that. That's all. I like my environment where I have people in there. I really get engaged with, with the group. I'm not, you know, I like to get not, – not, per se, but intimate with them because I want them to know who I am and what I do and what I can do to help them. Yeah. And you're just going to have to get the same way now when you're actually performing this online. Well, um, but think, also, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, man. No, no well, all, all I was going to say is I know when we talked 
prior to push and record here, you had said you, you listened to that first podcast we did with Chuck DeWald and Chris yeah. Laney. And one of the things Chuck told me after we, after we kind of hung up, or we were done, he's like, I was like, how was it? And he goes, I don't know if I like that. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I can't see my audience. I can't interact. I can't like, I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I'm just talking. He, and he needs for him. And I think that's kind of what you're saying too. It's like, you know, you want that, those facial expressions, those, those butts in seats, you want that interaction, that back and forth. Cause that's, that's part of what, you know, keeps, keeps things going for you. And, uh, and yeah, now when it just goes virtual and yeah, oh, yeah. it's going to change a little bit. Oh, I agree with Chuck. I mean, we've known each other for a while and we share a lot of the same goals. And, and, and again, like I, at the beginning of this broadcast, the podcast, we talked about passion. You can see in your students' face or eyes, you know, the aha moments, what's going on, what yeah. to expect, how it's going to work, the body language. And that's what we're anticipating. And, and that's what makes us kind of, you know, get jazzed is what I like to say yeah. um, to keep them going. Yeah. So it is different. Um, it, but if you look out on the business aspect now, from what I was mentioning earlier, you know, I can host some of these classes where businesses can save some money. And it's not that a student would have to be at a computer for six or seven hours a day on course, but they could actually spend a couple hours a day on it and still now be able to go out in the field and practice, you know, what they've learned on that module and, and be able to relate to that more. So that now when they come back to me, for example, for like an ASD class, you know, which is the advanced class, now they would have a better understanding. Do you think there's more like a uh, retention of, of yeah. information that way by doing a couple hours and then go to work and then do a couple hours and go to work. And you may end up with uh, I'm trying to even, I'm trying to even gather my own thoughts here, but you know, maybe more, more retention of, of the information, but then also it could lead to some better conversations with the students too. Cause they're like, well, actually yesterday we were on this job and they're going to be able to bring more experience back to the classroom. I think so. It's going to, it, it, again, I, I love what I'm doing. Um, I, I'm just embracing this. When we have some of these courses, we have these people for a limited period of time. And you might have somebody that's been out in the field performing some of these particular tasks and procedures, oh, for a few months before they go to a class. But sometimes you get somebody that's never been out on a job before, and this is their first one training. So yeah. trying to throw a bunch of information out of a short period of time will just wipe them out like no tomorrow. Um, so I, I kind of love this opportunity to do it this way. And we give ourselves the one-on-one too. I mean, we're incorporating that where somebody does not understand something in the module, then feel free to contact me and then we can actually spend a little more time one-on-one. So I like that too. And it wouldn't be right if I didn't say it, but a lot of companies now will have the opportunity for say to hire somebody like myself, different instructors where if they want like a private virtual training, you could even for their guys. Okay. Yeah. And again, it's great. Um, we're going to do a lot of videos and things of that nature, um, do a lot of how, show and tell. You know, I used to, when I was, and this is going to show some age, but years ago when I was in school, they used to have these movies out there that said you were there, like they reenacted some history moments. Well, we're going to kind of be a little funny with that and put ourselves in those positions just to kind of emphasize certain points of what we're trying to convey. Very cool. So kind of two things. One, I wanted to go back to you because you said, you know, some guys you got, you have in class, they've been doing it for four or five months. You know, they got some experience and other people completely green. And, uh, and I know, I, I remember one time, I don't know if it was in your, at your, your school, but I was doing a presentation and somebody was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. You know, like I was showing them the power box and somebody else just goes, well, I mean, can't we just plug into the wall? 
Yeah. You, you know, <laughs> and it was just real obvious that everyone's like, you haven't been on a job yet, have you? They're like, no. <laughs> like, yeah, go, yeah try to, go try to plug those 25 fans into the wall. See what happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, that's true. So that was kind of funny. But then I, but you know, then you already brought it up. My next question was going to be, you know, kind of, this is, this is changing your business by doing virtual. It's changing your business. It's changing the dynamic. It's changing kind of your, your market too. Cause I would think, you know, you're kind of Indian or Indian hapless, you're centralized, you know, that Midwest, but now going virtual, you can reach, you know, California, Florida, you know, probably places where you didn't see as much traffic coming into the school. And correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you guys do come from all over the country to class, but I would think it'd be more, you know, location central. Um, but then you had just said, you know, now, now this virtual thing is going to allow you to reach out to specific companies and then they, they could actually hire you. So this is, my question was going to be, how do you innovate your business? You know, now that you're not putting butts in seats for these class dates, how does that change for you? And what, and what do you do different to, to compensate for that? We'll offer the opportunity to do both. We'll still continue to have, we're going to limit. We'll probably end up doing, actually to be honest with you, we'll probably do more of these classes when we do hands-on because of the fewer people that we can allow inside. Um, right. The way I perceive this now is yes, we can solicit our services to anybody. Um, now uh, people would have the opportunity if they want to do some of these courses online, say, yeah, typically in the past, you'd go to the closest facility, you know, that, that you're at in a, in a geographic location. But let's just say that, um, ABC school has something going on now and they're kind of booked for that particular date. Well, if I'm here in the Midwest, and like you said, there's some people out there in California that want to do a virtual training, then they can subscribe to my next date. And that'll enable us to really kind of market to a different field. You're right. We market, but we really don't market outside of our geographical location. Right. And we've had folks come from all over, just like other schools have too. There's just a following. Every instructor in school has their own following, so to speak. Yeah. But um, we'll do that. And I also, um, I also perform training to end users. I mean, instead of just the restoration contractor industry, we do a lot of training um, in different industries too that have a lot to do with, you know, property damage. So that is going to actually give us more of a leverage now to offer that training virtually instead of the expense of people coming to see us. This is going to be cool. This is exciting. It is, man. It's just, it's technology. It's just, it's, it is, it's, it, we've talked about it, but here it is, you know? Yeah. You know, I, uh, I've listened to some of your podcast and stuff and some of your other guests are on there and I have to fit that bill too, or, you know, in some areas I'm a procrastinator, so I'm going to have to get up to speed on this or basically I'm just going to get left behind. So you can teach an old, <laughs> you can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> it's, like, it's time to go. Yeah. It's, it's time, time to, to go. go. Yeah. And I like it though. It's, it's actually, it's good because it's going to offer myself per se and some of the other businesses like me, the opportunity to do some of these virtuals where you still have your hands on classes, but You'll be able to do this, but for me, you know, build off of this, you know, right here in my home base and not travel as much and save money that way too and save everybody a lot of time and money. Yeah. Um, I like it. Yeah. So it, it is, the, the future is here and it's, uh, it's looking bright. Even in, in this, well, in this time that we live in right now, it's still, it's still bright. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I love anytime there's innovation, anytime there's something different and new and the challenges that are, that are behind it and the, you know, and the successes too that come from it. And I think in the end, this is, this is going to be good. I think this is going to be a very, a very cool thing. And I think, uh, you know, kind of like you said too, you know, this, this virus, this, this 
thing that happened is is kind of pushing what you know it's kind of like oh yeah yeah we should do that someday and now it's like no we're doing it we're doing it today today we're doing it, it. is it's, it's pushed us into yeah we have to do it now yeah no i love it well okay now i'm gonna i want to i want to that's cool i love all the business and all that stuff too but um i haven't got to talk to you for a while and i've got i've got some questions i know you moved i know you i just talked with pam and she she was like oh bro you know Brian's out in the out in the shop. What the north the north building or the south building? What is? <laughs> well, we moved out to uh, a friend of mine retired last year and pretty much auctioned everything he had except for his house. Okay. And I came out to talk to him, and he says, "Why don't you buy my house?" Well, it's just a simple ranch style house um, on a slab out here, but there's ten acres, and okay. he has his. He's got a three thousand square foot barn. It's just a big old garage. Yeah. And then there, there's just a lot to do out here. Um, but I was just kidding. I said I'll look into it. Well, I did. I looked into it as an investment opportunity, and you know, I've been pretty frugal. And I have to say, we've been blessed. But the opportunity came, and and we bought this property. We moved in in August, and you know, I'm like a kid in a candy store right now. You know, <laughs> we uh, we used to live from our facility in Noblesville, uh, ten minutes away. You know, just a few miles, really. Yeah. Um, but now we're about a 20-minute drive, which is nice because I was just a constant workaholic. I would literally be in that facility day in and day out all the time. Um, but now it has made me um, utilize time management um, in a better fashion than ever before and my project management. So I like it. Plus, when I'm done from there, just like everybody else, when you're working a lot all the time, you need a little break. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to be out here. But, yeah, yeah, when you're back in this area, I will have to. You just come on and stay out. We got awesome. plenty of room, so we'd love to have you out. You can check it out. Actually, it'd be cool, man. Come back out. We'll have a part two. We could do a podcast right out here. Oh, absolutely. Well, so I want to know. So you got ten acres now. Where did you come from? How many? How like where were you at before? I mean, you're oh, less like, than one acre. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're in a residential neighborhood, right? <laughs> we were. We were in a residential neighborhood, a subdivision, and we went from that to uh, basically out here. So it is just night and day as far as the difference. But it is beautiful. It's quiet. We have four neighbors, and we know everybody. All the neighbors. It's just yeah. it's it's outstanding. So what are you what are you doing out there that you love? What's what's a, what's oh. a day? What if if Brian has his per well Sunday? It's today Sunday. You had your perfect Sunday, your birthday weekend. What uh what are you tinkering with out there? Well, today I wasn't tinkering with anything. Um, but what I have been doing is, um, you know, cutting grass now with the big mower. So that came with the property. Okay. So doing a lot of that. But we've been doing a lot of um, re- uh, remodeling. There's been uh, other outbuildings and things here that I've taken down, fixed up. We're going to construct uh, a she shed for Pam, okay. you know, a little garden shed and things, doing that, putting that together. But then that barn, I've been outfitting that because I'm also, you know, um, into the the rental business and selling some equipment. So I've got a lot of stuff stored out there right now. So I've really okay. kind of been putting that together in a shop to kind of fix some, some uh, pieces of equipment and do things like that. That I just couldn't do at the facility we have there. Yeah. So that's like a day for me, but man, I'm just always tampering with something out here. There's always something to do. So you go from just a, you know, a not common neighborhood out here. It's just a lot of, uh, a lot of work, a lot of tasks to do, but it's fun. It really is. Yeah. We had, uh, I mean, I can, I can relate a little bit. So we grew where I grew up, you know, was in the in a normal housing addition and, you know, neighbors, you know, right next door, very close. And then when I was, I think, 16, 16 or 17, my parents ended up purchasing eight acres uh, out kind of kind of about 15 minutes outside of that that residential area. And uh, and yeah, it's 
it changes. It changes things. You know, we had we had the pond, and then we had a four wheeler, and we, you know, and the and the cutting grass, cutting grass all the time. There's always grass to cut, um, but uh, but yeah, it's a big it's a big difference, and you just get to kind of you, know, you go outside and just spread your arms, and you're like, ah, oh. you just yeah. you, you do you get to get you just get away from it all for a little bit, and uh, it's I I still my parents still live there, uh, and I love I love going back home and visiting their place because it's just it's so relaxing, and you can just you just relax. I mean, there's there's always something to do, but you can relax. It is. It's it's relaxing. Uh, nothing is where we used to live. We used we we lived there for quite some time. The one thing I love out here the most is the front of our house faces towards the east. So in the morning you can see the sunrise, but with the the area here and it's very open. Yeah. You know, unlike where we we're at, we had a lot of trees and everything kind of covered up. I can see the sunrise go all the way over and see the sunset, and I mean I can see the sky so much. Um, it's it's nice. And we uh, we've got two dogs. I've got a nine year old black lab, and then I've got a two year old. Um, it's called a, a Lancer Newfoundland. Um, yeah. They're both big dogs, but God, do they love this land. So I've walked the dogs, take them out. They don't run around. They've got the pasture that's kind of fenced in. It was already there. I fixed that. They just enjoy life. So they're spoiled. <laughs> they are. Those are, those are like my kids. <laughs> oh, that's All my awesome. kids are grown and moved out. So those are the kids now. So they actually love this place. That's great. Well, I'm so happy for you and Pam. I know, uh, I think, I think the last time I saw you guys was probably, I think you were maybe moving to that. Like you knew you were getting that property. I don't think you had, you had gotten there yet. Um, yeah. but I know how excited and happy you guys were to, to get there. And, and I'm happy for you that, uh, that you have it and are enjoying it. And, and man, Brian, it's been so good to catch up and, and talk to you. And I can't wait to see you again, brother. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity. Just like you said, it's been way too long. We'll definitely have to hook up, brother. But, you know, again, congratulations on you. You know, you've had a lot going on with your business. You've really expanded. I'm, 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 I'm proud of you. Oh, I'm very you. happy for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, your marriage and everything. So, again, man, it's all good. Awesome. Life well, is good right now, man. It is. It is. It's, despite everything going on, it's, it is good. Yep. You can find something good. Well, before we shut this thing down, is there any kind of final thought or anything you want to, you want to say, talk about before we, before we turn it off? I would just like to say to your listeners, stay tuned to Restoration Academy and check us out on our website. Uh, it's just propertyrestorationacademy.com. Um, if there's anything that we can do, please let us know. Yeah, absolutely. And Brian will definitely take care of you if you need something. So, yeah, reach out to him if he can help. Brian, again, man, thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Well, we're going to shut this down broadcasting out here from we're all locked in in our stay at home. So I'm in my uh, my apartment in Kirkland, Washington. Brian, coming. You're still are you still in Noblesville? No, I'm in, it's Indianapolis. I'm actually just inside just, of the Indianapolis line. Yeah. And Brian coming to you from Indianapolis. Hey, man, good talking to you. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, buddy. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.